perfection. Yes, right? We have this idea of Prince Charming, ladies. Come on, we do. Come on. You're laughing about that video about the perfect spouse because you know you've thought that. I mean, my favorite part is when I listen when you want to talk and don't talk when you want to listen. And, like I was then, just doing there? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know. I was so, just demonstrating what she's talking perfect. about. <laughs> Way to play off the illustration. You got it. But we do this, ladies, right? We have Prince Charming. And, men, you're not exempt here, right? You know, insert dream girl here, right? Okay? <laughs> um, you, you have this idea, and we all do, of what we think marriage and a, relationship, a meaningful relationship is going to be like. And it doesn't quite work out like that. So today, we're beginning uh, part four of our message series called This Is My Family. And we're titling this one Scandal. Because, unfortunately, that seems to be a word that plagues so many of our marriages and relationships today. It's a sad thought. Um, Todd's asked me to teach uh, this with him today, and I'm honored that he asked, but I think part of it was he was afraid to teach on it with me sitting out there. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. That's right. So we'll just, we'll just leave that for counseling. Okay, so we, we are by no means experts. Please hear me. Um, we've been married for a little over 18 years. We dated for three years before that. So we've been in a relationship for 21 years, okay? We are by no means experts. But I will say that just through our journey over the last 18 years as husband and wife, there's been some amazing things that God has taught us through some really tough times and some really, just really great times that we just felt like could give you some handles and maybe just would be helpful to you. Um, in your own marriage, um, or if you're planning to get married or you're praying for Mr. Wright to come along. Um, and really what we're talking about today is relationships in general. We're going to focus a lot on the marriage relationship, but the tools that we're going to give you today really apply to any meaningful relationship yeah. in your life. Um, so wanted you to hear that. And so we hope this morning what we share with you will make you laugh. Uh, but we do hope that today what we have to share will help you maybe to relook at some of the things in your life um, in your marriage and in your relationships, and maybe seeing what God's Word has to say, and maybe something we've said today would just encourage you. As Cynthia mentioned, um, this is uh, part four in the series, um, This Is My Family. And Cynthia and I are going to be talking about some of these things really to help um, uh, emphasize the idea of uh, being protectors in marriage um, and in really relationships that are serious or important and that sort of thing. And the verse that I want to begin with uh, this morning, and it'll be up on the screens here in a moment, is a verse that some of you may know, some of you may know it very well, but I think it's an often um, maybe ignored verse, and it comes from Proverbs, and the writer of Proverbs is communicating this idea of guarding your heart. He says this, and this is actually from the ESV, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Um, you might have heard it said this way, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. Um, God created all of us in here with a heart that was made to be vulnerable, it was made to be something that we share with one person um, and God. And so he created us in that manner, in that way. Um, and so our hearts are a very precious gift 
that God gave us. And so regardless of where you are, as Cynthia just mentioned, whether you're in here today and maybe you're single or if you're dating or engaged or if you've been married for 18 years or 40 years um, or four weeks, um, I hope that today's message um, is for you. It's interesting, um, this whole idea of guarding your heart. What, what exactly does that mean? That's what we want to wrestle with today. And the picture that we have been talking about in the weeks leading up to this is the idea of a castle. And you know, a castle has, uh, right there in, in the centerpiece of the castle, is usually something very precious. Um, it could be uh, royalty, it could be uh, a group of people, it could be a, a whole society of people. And the castle was built for the purpose of protecting what's inside. That's what God says, and that's what the writer of Proverbs meant when he said, guard your heart. And so the picture that I want to, for you to have in your mind today is the picture of a sentinel, someone that's standing guard, and the job of the sentinel is to know when it's time to lower the drawbridge and when it's time not to lower the drawbridge to your heart. You see, God wants us, whatever relationship we're in, whether you're dating, whether you're married, whether you're engaged, whether you hope to be one of those things one day, he tells us that we need to be watchful for potential vulnerabilities that are lurking. And that we don't need to be closed off all the time, but we need to be on guard for what's out there. Because as you know, there's a lot of things out there that can hit our heart. But I want you to hear this beyond anything else this morning. This is where we're going to dive in. You can't just do it and assume it's going to happen. You can't guard your heart by default or by osmosis or just by, well, it might happen. You have to be intentional. And so today we're going to share with you a couple different points that we have used in our lives that we've been intentional with guarding our hearts. Cynthia. So how do we guard our hearts? You see there in your message notes there or on your device um, if you're following along with our message notes online. The first thing here, it says, let go of unmet and society-driven expectations in your relationships. Because if you don't, it could lead to lifelong disappointment in your heart toward others. There's a reason that I'm doing point number one today. <laughs> um, of all the things that I've struggled the most with in my marriage, it's this one, expectations. Um, a former employee, employer rather, uh, told me during my yearly review about myself, this, this is profound. He said, Cynthia does not expect anything from other people that she does not first expect of herself. Oh, that's nice. Try living with that, okay? And try. so, try, <laughs> yeah. So after we were married, this idea of expectations just really kind of began to explode. And I was frustrated because I don't really approach things the stereotypical way a female would. And Todd does not approach things the way a stereotypical male would. Nice, honey. Okay. <laughs> so because we kind of didn't fit society's kind of expectations and maybe even the way we were raised, there's a lot of things about the way we were raised that kind of didn't really, wasn't really who we were. And so this whole expectation game became just a full court press in our marriage. And at the time, I have to be honest, I was 22. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing was wrong, okay? Because I grew up in a home that was very intense, okay? My dad had three daughters. I think he wished he had three sons. So you can just imagine what the three of us are like, okay? And so we, we, have a very, we had a very intense growing up experience. I'm very thankful to my mom and dad for the work ethic, that they've given me and my sisters. My sisters are business owners. Todd and I have been church planners. There's a lot of that work ethic 
that was instilled in me by my mom and dad, and I'm very thankful. And also, my mother's listening to this podcast, so I want to make sure <laughs> she's cool. With, mom, I love you. So um, that was important. But we've talked about this as adults now. Now that we're adults and we're raising our own kids, we talked about the fact that we, we ran pretty hard. And there wasn't a lot of time growing up for rest. That was not really something we learned how to do very well. Or even just to live life. Um, just, you know, enjoy life. We just didn't do that as much. And it's not a slam on my parents. Like, it's just the way our life was. And so um, my expectations when I came to marriage, well, did I just assume he ran that hard and that fast and was intentional about everything he did and planned out his day every 15 minutes and knew what he was going to do and how he was going to do it. And the reason why he did that, there was a reason why he did that, because if you do that, this is what... Okay, so you already see... <laughs> Okay, we're going into this, that it didn't take me very long to get really disappointed because he just kind of didn't fly like that, and he didn't really think like that, and he wasn't really motivated like that. You know, and I wish, I really wish I could sit here and tell you I learned what the problem was, addressed it, fixed it, and moved on. I did not. <laughs> For most of my 18 years of marriage, I've struggled with this. And I still struggle with this. This is not something that I've got a little check mark next to. This is an issue for me of setting expectations. And um, over the last few years, I have to be honest with you, I've really, our marriage had got to a point, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, where um, we were at some pretty big crossroads. There was some, some struggles and some things going on that this expectation thing had hit. It, it had gotten to the point where I couldn't function anymore because I was so living every day so disappointed. Uh, disappointed in him, disappointed in God, disappointed in the whole idea of marriage in general. And um, God led me to a verse in Psalm 62, 5, and this is the New King's uh, James version of this, and I love this. It says, my soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Now, there's two key words in that phrase that don't apply to me, wait and silence, okay? <laughs> and so... Right off the bat, I knew this verse was God giving me this verse because I really kind of stumbled across it. I wasn't really like doing a study or trying to find something. I was really reaching, reaching out. I was really desperate. And God led me to this verse. And I have to tell you, I'd never thought about it. I've been a Christ follower all my life. And I'd never thought that any of the expectations that I had could have been wrong because I, I, you know, I'm a Christ follower. I read my Bible. I pray. So I just assumed everything I was coming up with was God's agenda. I mean, come on. And it really made me see, as I read this verse, and I really meditated on this verse for a really long time, about just how wrong my thinking was about all of my relationships, not just this one. The most important one was this one, but even with my, my mom and my dad, my sisters, friends. And um, I got to tell you, I'm still learning what this means, but the idea of putting God in that seat and going, okay, God, what is your expectation for me? What is your expectation for my life? in my marriage, instead of me dictating that, has been a life-changing thing in our marriage. Um, now, there are days, like everybody has this in their family, you, you have to have a sergeant, right? Somebody's got to call the shots and get everybody moving, okay? That's my job. That's what I do. That's what I'm gifted at. And there's days that I have to put that head, red hat of passion on and go, let's go. Let's take, let's take the hill. We got to go. And that's okay, because God's made me that way. But I have to tell you, the days that things don't kind of work out like they should, Again, my expectations not being met. I'm, I'm just a different person about that now because I'm really finding joy a little more in the day-to-day -day of life and what happens and doesn't happen. And um, 
I'm actually, for the first time in a long time, I would say in the last couple of years, truly just having a thankful heart for Todd. Not because he, he didn't really, you know, take the trash out that's been smelling in the garage <laughs> for a week. That was this week. That was, that was great. <laughs> but really... That was one thing this week. That was one thing. <laughs> but, but the laughter even now, like we didn't have this. We didn't have laughter about my expectations not being met. We can laugh now. I'm, I'm a lot more self-deprecating about the fact that this is something I struggle with. And that has returned such joy and happiness to our marriage because of my attitude and my addressing the issue that I have with unmet expectations. There's a second part of that point, and that's the society part. This is a big one, okay? Um, our society has infiltrated the Christian culture dramatically. Um, as Todd has said over the last few weeks, that the divorce rate among Christ followers is no different than the divorce rate among those that don't know the Lord yet, okay? So we're no different than society and culture, all right? We just all need to accept that. Okay, we may have the tools, we may have uh, resources, and we may have that relationship with God that we pray other people can have, that faith and that, that solid foundation. But the numbers are saying we're no different than those that do not have Jesus, okay? So I, I want to preface that before I say what I'm about to say, okay? Because we are celebrating or not even being aware of the fact that infidelity and scandal in, our, in marriages, it's just kind of a rite of passage. It's just kind of accepted. If you've been married for a while, somebody has obviously messed up, okay? We're becoming desensitized as a culture to actually being fully committed one man to one woman for marriage for ever, however many years, right? Because if you've seen the little news reports lately, I don't know, I see them all the time. They're, they're like making a big deal about, you know, somebody was married for 50 years to the same person. Y'all, it's getting national attention now. <laughs> Okay? And that's, I mean, it's funny, but the, it's sad. That's a big deal to find a couple that actually stayed married um, and was able to weather the storms of life. So that, again, y'all need to understand we're all facing this. This is not just what we say is, you know, the world. This is us. This is those of us that call ourselves Christ followers are facing this as well. Um, you've heard the phrase, you know, and these are things I've heard from Christians, okay? And I'm not slamming Christians. I'm just, I just want us to be clear that we are all dealing with this. This is not something unique to another group of people. Okay, these are things I've heard, true things. Well, you can't blame her for having an affair. She let herself go. What's he supposed to do? Okay, or how about this one? He's, he's never home, you know, and she's got needs. She's lonely, Okay. And, well, he's just got up and left. He found somebody online, and, and he just left this family, told her yesterday he was leaving, and, and just left the kids and her, okay? Everything I just told you is, tr is, is a truth. It is someone that I know, either a family member or someone personally connected to me, has said that about somebody that we've known, okay? That's a desensitized culture. <laughs> if we will give that much excuse to scandal in our lives. And the truth is, God's Word says that our marriages... Our marriages are strong enough and made for us to, to be in fulfilling sexual lives that are satisfying, that we don't have to go outside of this. Todd read this verse, uh, the, I think the first week of the series, 1 Corinthians 7, 2, and he used the message version of this because I'll, I agree with him. The way this said this is very applicable. So 1 Corinthians 7, 2, you can see it right there. It says, it's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them. 
and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Society says that it's boring to have one sexual partner your whole life. Am I the only one that feels that? I mean, I watch TV and I, I get that message that it's, it's kind of boring that, you know, it's just him and I, you know, in the next 50 years, right? That's, that's something society's telling us, that that's boring and that you're missing out. You're missing out because you're in one relationship like this. Um, this kind of thinking, guys, is not God's design. And I'm right there with you, okay? This isn't us talking to you. This is us talking to ourselves, you know? This kind of thinking is not the way that God designed marriage to be. Um, and I, w- I want to get personal here for a moment. And um, I prayed through sharing some of the things. We have really prayed through this message of what we wanted to share because we wanted to be honest with you um, because it gives credibility to what we're saying, I, I truly believe, as your, as your pastor and his wife. Um, Todd and I did date for three years, and then we're married. We saved ourselves for each other before we were married. We, um, first time we were ever together intimately was our wedding night. And um, that's... Uh, you can, you can applaud all you want, but let's just say in this relationship, if it had been up to me, anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I say that because it was the grace of God that we did it. We really made a conscious choice, and it's not because it was easy, okay? Um, we dated for a long time before we were married, and that, that was just something that we decided. And honestly, and I, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. He had to ask me to leave his apartment one night, okay? <laughs> you need to leave now, yes. Um, because we were engaged for nine months, okay? So, but we were determined to say, you know what? We want that first night we're together to be special. And we thought about our kids. We did. We thought about, you know, we want to be able to tell our kids. We didn't know if we'd have kids or what. But just to be able to say, hey, mom and dad waited for each other before, before we were married. Um, and we've talked about it. We've, we've been very blessed that in the 18 years that we've been together, It's not like there hasn't been opportunity, I'm going to be honest with you, Um, that we have saved ourselves for our marriage, that we we alone, together, we've never been with any other partners besides each other during our 18 years. And that is not about us, okay? Hear me, okay? That is because of God, but it has been what Todd said earlier, some very, very strict boundaries. What what was the word? Intentional stuff that we've done in our marriage to prevent that. Um, and we're going to share a little bit of that with you uh, later. But, but let me say that. I, I wanted to, to share that with you, but our, our marriage has not been free from scandal, okay? We may not have struggled in that area, and we've been blessed that we've been able to stay faithful to each other. But Todd has shared with you many times, uh, for those of you who have attended here a while, about some of his financial struggles. And in 2008, he had on me what he called, this is his term, not mine, a financial affair on me. Um, he was hiding uh, a lot of stuff about our finances. He was lying to me. And in his mind, he may have not had a sexual affair on me, but he felt like he, was, he, he had a whole other life, and I was not a part of it. And when I referred to earlier about this expectation thing, it hit the fan in 2008. And we were living here at the time. We were in Hilton Head. Sean was a year old, and we were trying to start the church. I mean, all these things are going on, and our marriage was falling apart. I mean, falling apart. And we were, it was bad. It was rough. Um, I'd never thought that some of the things that he had done, I, I just, I didn't know he was capable of it, to be honest with you. I thought I knew him. We'd been married all these years, and I, I just, I was deceived. I was lied to. I was angry. I was bitter. I was mad. Fill in the blank. You find the word, and I was there, okay? And um, I didn't know. 
I didn't know if we were going to make it. I mean, that, that's a reality there. And um, us even sitting up here talking about this today is God's, is just God's, a testimony of God's faithfulness and his grace and mercy in our lives. We've been through some counseling. I highly recommend counseling. Uh, last week, um, Mrs. Dowler talked about that, how important counseling was in their marriage as they were trying to blend their families. And we went through some great counseling that really gave us tools. I highly recommend it. If you've gone through scandal or going through scandal, you cannot do it alone. You need help. Okay. And we got help. And I'm telling you, it saved our marriage. And um, by us being able to work through some things and work through some of our issues, um, we're sitting here today, and I really like him. <laughs> I really do. Like, Sweet. I really do. Because there were days I did not like him. And there's days that we have struggles in our marriage. But I have to tell you, and I told him this last night, that I look back on 2008 and what we went through. And I wouldn't trade it now. I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth <laughs> because I was at a place where I really wanted to divorce him. I mean, I'm going to be honest. We were done. I'd, I'd, I'm like, you know what? I moved down here to start this church with this kid. Six, he was six weeks old. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? And we're here, and I don't want to do this anymore. I really don't. I'm just done. I'm tired. Have you been tired before? It's okay. I've been just tired, the, like the fatigue to the bone. And... Um, and so over these last few years, God has just done an amazing job in our marriage of helping us to be restored. And restored, that's the good word. First yep. Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says this. It says, love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And this is the key. Love bears all things. Believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And I truly believe if it had not been me just absolutely asking God to heal our marriage, we would not be here today. And I feel like I got to practice out that last part of 1 Corinthians 13 in a huge way in our marriage. I got to live that out and show that to him every day, not with a hammer over his head guilting him, but truly loving him the way that Christ loves us and forgave us for our shortcomings in our lives. Cynthia um, talked about the expectation game, um, and that was kind of our first point, is, is we have to be very careful of the expectation game, and um, she also shared about what we went through um, several years ago, and um, I'm so thankful today um, that she was willing to persevere um, in our marriage. And it takes both parties in a marriage. If you're single in here and you want to be married one day, it's going to take both of you working very hard. Listen, I, have, I don't have a problem with expectations whatsoever. I have no expectations at all in my marriage. In fact, really, the only thing that I expect from her is that she has no expectations on me. That's it. That's not too hard, is it, dear? I mean, no, just expect nothing from me, that's it. and we're fine. We're so good. that's where I am with the expectation game. The issue that I have had in our marriage from day one is working on the hard stuff of marriage. It's the second point. Both parties in a committed marriage have to be willing to work on the hard stuff in the relationship. I want you to hear this this morning, the second half of this point. If you don't, it could lead to resentment in your heart towards others. We had a pastor in Atlanta who used to say this. Opposites attract, and then they attack. 
Isn't that true? Opposites attract, and then they attack. She was the opposite of me. I loved, when I met her as a, a freshman, we met in our freshman year, we started dating in our sophomore year of college up at Liberty University, go Flames. Um, so anyway, um, when we met, the thing that I loved about her was her tenacity, her work ethic, her organizational skills, the fact that she could be the sergeant and go, hey, here's what we're doing today, and that sort of thing. Because quite honestly, I just don't care. I'm like most guys, like I just don't care. I mean, we can go through today and be fine with whatever is fine with me. And I love that she was tenacious. But, you know, we got into our marriage, and after a few years, those things that I loved about her began to be those things that caused resentment. And it was not because of her. She is the way that God made her. The issue was is that I wasn't willing to work on the hard stuff of the relationship. And I think most of you that are in a committed relationship, whether it's dating or you're engaged or you're uh, married uh, for a long time or a short period of time, you probably recognize that there's one person in the relationship that's more passionate about the stuff of the relationship than the other. It's Cynthia in our relationship. The problem was, is I would blow her off. I would say, you know, there's no way for me to get involved in such details like that. And I was unwilling to work on the hard stuff of the relationship. I could have saved us a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, if a few years ago I had just said, hey, we, we need to sit down and talk about our money. It's not good. It's not good. I would have saved us a lot of pain if I had just done that. And I know that there are some of you out here today and you're in a marriage relationship and there's hard stuff that's being ignored. And I want you to hear this today. If you ignore the hard stuff of marriage It'll begin to cause stress fractures. And when there's stress fractures, you become vulnerable to the relationship crumbling and disintegrating. We've got to have expectations that are realistic, but we also have to both, both be willing to work hard on the tough stuff of marriage. And lastly, and probably most importantly, is the third point. We've got to make our personal relationship with God the most important relationship in your life. I love how Cynthia talked about the fact that there were times when her expectations were tough. And to be honest with you, there were times that, that mine were too high for her. But the problem is, is that we don't have our source in God during those tar times. The second part of that point is, if you don't, if you don't make that relationship with God the most important, it will lead to unfulfilled relationships with other people. Here's one thing that I've never heard when I've counseled as a pastor people who have gone through scandal in their marriage. I've never, not ever heard someone say, wow, I was doing so good with God in the midst of the scandal, if they were the one that caused the scandal. It's never happened. Like, my relationship with God was awesome. It was great. And I made this mistake. I've never heard anyone say that. And it's case in point that our relationships have to, our relationship with God is crucial to the success of our marriages. Back in week one, I introduced a, a little illustration that someone introduced to me many years ago. It's a very simple um, illustration, and, and it's uh, just this triangle of the fact that if we, as a, hus as a husband and she as a wife, if we individually are growing in our relationship with God, if we are serious about that, the end result of that is that we will grow together. 
that we will grow together, we will come closer together, and the things that we have struggles with will be easier to handle because we are growing in our relationship with God. It's paramount. It's key. And it's one of the most important things that we, as married couples, need to be intentional about. There have been times when I've switched God and Todd, all right? (laughs) You invert the pyramid. He's on the top. You know, and my whole world is what he thinks, what he does. And that's where my expectations were always dashed. And, and then I was just frustrated all the time. Like, why? You know, but I was making his, my relationship with Todd a lot more important than my walk with God. And um, then I'm back to that, being, that point of being frustrated and disappointed. Um, Todd can't meet all my needs. And even if we had the most wonderful, perfect marriage, you know he still can't meet all my needs. And that was something that I was totally blown away by in marriage. I really thought he could. I thought that God put him on earth for me to meet every need that I possibly had. I really did. And when I came to the point that I realized that that's not what God intended for marriage to be, that he, God, my father is my source and not my husband, my expectations of him have dramatically increased, decreased to the point where he can actually live in our home. Yeah, take a breath and enjoy living there. (laughs) Pressure off. Um, And so, you know, there's peace and joy in our home. Now, I'm homeschooling our daughter this year, you know, and he actually wasn't, I thought he was going to be freaked out about that because, man, that's just more opportunity for me to be intense. And (laughs) there you go. Um, But I have to tell you, like, he's, he's been surprised. You can admit it. You can say it. Yeah, you've handled it well. You've been surprised that his life has not turned into, oh, my goodness. You've been pretty chill about it. I've been chill. (laughs) And and part of that, though, has been that I really have intentionally every day made my time with God, spending time with God, and really starting the day with that focus. And how my day is rolled out, I'm not as disappointed when things don't necessarily work out like that. Um, I love this, the message version of Matthew 6.33. It's in your notes there. It says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions, don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. You know, when I make my relationship with God most important, it just, everything seems to fall in place. And listen, I'm not trying to be like it's this magical thing. Okay, it goes back to what we talked earlier. It's intentionality. Yeah. There's a work. There's a, work. there's a discipline involved in doing that and spending that time with God and really connecting with him, being silent, waiting to let him speak to you, not always to be the one running your mouth. And letting him talk to you through his word, let him speak to you through the Holy Spirit in your heart. And it takes work, and it takes boundaries, and it takes time. But I have to tell you, it's worth it to me to have a home where we laugh as much as we do, where we kid around. And it's not perfect. I mean, we were yelling at each other, like, what, 12 hours ago? Yeah. <laughs> About. <laughs> About, I have no idea what, but something. So, like, don't, don't think I'm trying to make this rose-colored glass approach. I mean, we still have tension and strife. That's just called life, and we're human, and we're flawed. But there is just such joy. There's a joy that passes circumstances. There's a peace that passes those as well because we're really trying to get this right in our marriage. And we're in, a, we're in the, a, the best place we've been in our marriage probably, I would say, probably since right after Sydney was born, right before we moved to New York. So, and, and that's because we've been really working on it and spending the time to do that as well. Lastly, today, we just want to give you some um, really uh, practical handles on how to protect your heart because as Cynthia talked about, culture has such a huge impact on the, the marriage relationship. And so these are um, just three rules that we've, they're very practical and in some form or fashion, we've applied these for 
the now 18 years that we have been married. Um, and so we want to give these to you as guides. And if you're in here today and you're single, um, these are things that one day you'll be able to put into your relationship, your marriage relationship. Um, if you're in here today and you've been married for 40 years and you think everything's great, that's when you're the most vulnerable. Okay. So I just want to encourage you on these uh, three house rules for married couples. Why don't you hit that first one there, Cynthia? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you're single, this applies to you when you interact with married people. Okay. Yeah, you know, kind of view if the, if the other person is married, kind of be aware of that and, and responsive to that. The first one that we have, and again, these are not in the Bible, so we don't have a chapter and a verse. Okay. These are ours. This is just what's worked for us. All right. Number one, don't ride in a vehicle with someone of the opposite sex that's not your spouse. Okay? We don't do that. That's just something that we do. If you're single, don't ride with a married guy. And if you're a single guy, don't ride with a married woman. Just don't do it. Um, nothing about that. Just we don't do it. I've, I've been in ministry for 20-something years, and every staff I've worked on, all my staff has been men. It's, I think in all those years, I had one part-time person that was a female. My whole life, it's been me and the guys, okay? And I remember in Atlanta, I used to laugh at Winfrey, our technical director, because we'd be heading to the other side of Atlanta, and I'm, he'd get in his, his truck, and I'd get in my Jeep, and we would follow each other, and we did not ride together, even though Todd and Winfrey are like really good friends, because we just, that was a boundary, and Winfrey respected that, and that was just our boundary. That's what we've just chosen to do. So again, these are boundaries. And a boundary isn't like if you do it, you're over the edge. A boundary remembers like a guardrail. Andy Stanley calls them guardrails. It's just to help you before there's something that could happen. That's right. And um, so these are just things, again, that have just helped us, and they make it help you. Secondly, don't meet with someone of the opposite sex for coffee or meals that's not your spouse. Think when you open the car door for that person of the opposite sex that you're not married to, you're opening the door of your heart. Think about when you grab the door to the restaurant or the coffee shop that you're opening the door to your heart. Because vulnerabilities usually don't come right out and hit you. They creep up subtly. And I realize that logistically for many of you men and women who are in a career, this is a very difficult one. It's very difficult to practice this. But isn't it worth the extra gas money? Or isn't it worth bringing a colleague along to make sure that you don't put yourself in a compromising situation with someone of the opposite sex if you're married. And so my encouragement to you is take that seriously. Don't meet up with someone from the opposite sex for coffee or meals that's not your spouse. And the same for if you're single. Don't, don't yeah. have a meal or coffee with a married person. You're, you're opening them up to an opportunity that's, it, it could be your fault. I mean, we've experienced that with people, with single girls, actually, with some friends of ours. She had no idea. She wasn't even, she didn't know what was going on in his marriage. And, and if you find yourself in a compromising yeah. situation, a rule of thumb is just to stop, remove yourself from the situation, mm-hmm. and call your spouse. Yeah. Let them know about it. And we've it. done that before. Like, we, we'll try to have meetings here. You know, all of our office doors have, like, a cut-in so you can see through that. You know, when, if I have a meeting here, I try to make sure Cody or Todd or somebody's here. You know, again, this is just a boundary to help. But here's the thing. There are times that this doesn't work out, okay, because I know what they're going to be doing. They're going to be driving around town looking for us now. <laughs> um, but, like, we've called each other. Hey, like, this totally came up, and I didn't know. I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's the courtesy call to let me know, hey, this happened. This is what I, want. I wasn't planning for this to happen. But we respect each other, and we trust each other. This isn't because we don't trust each other. It's just so we can have a form of communication about these things. And then last oh, I get the last yeah, one. So you get All the right. last one. 
Be accountable with your spouse in all areas of social media, email, and online interaction. This is a new frontier, ladies and gentlemen, okay? There's a whole other world out there than just this, the physical touch of person to person, okay? There's a whole world out there. Um, I am a huge fan of technology. I've been on Twitter since 2006, okay? I, I love it. I, part of my role here at the church is to oversee all of our social media and web presence. I love it. I've got friends all over the world because of Twitter that I would never get to talk to if it wasn't for that. So I'm a fan of technology. I am not a fan of those that like, well, I just, I'm burying my head in the sand. I'm just not going to embrace it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that kind of thinking. And there's a reason why. Because especially if you have kids, okay, they are native to this. What that means is they don't know life without it. They have no idea what it means to not have a phone. I showed Sydney a Rand McNally map at Barnes & Noble. She's like, you had that in the car? <laughs> okay, so they're native. They don't have any idea, okay, about the fact that most of us are, are foreigners to this. This is things we've had to learn. Um, so I'm not a fan of those that were like, well, I just don't want to embrace it. I don't want anything to do with it. You're, you're setting yourself up if you aren't fully engaged and aware of what's going on with technology. Um, I'm responsible for this in our home. Now, you can do what you want. This is, again, these are things that work for us. I am the chief information technologies officer in our home. I'm the IT director. Okay, it's my job to, to kind of keep a police on all of our devices, which we have a lot of devices, okay? We have in, introduced technology to our children at a very young age. That was our decision because we wanted to talk about it with them early. We wanted to go ahead and get involved in that, and they're not on Facebook or Twitter or any of that mess, but we, we are, we've engaged with them and given them devices young so that we can have conversation about it. Um, I see technology has made my life easier, but we've also seen the dangers, okay? Like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, driving to buy Dunkin' Donuts every day if you stop and eat donuts every day. Okay, technology is the same way. You have to have some guidelines. You have to have some boundaries. And so we do regular tech fasts where I'm like, all right, all devices in the kitchen, you know? And that applies for Cullen here too, you know? When he's got a, you know, iPhone glued to his head for a week, yeah. So it's my job to help police this in our home and to say, hey, put your devices down like we're just taking a night, nobody. Because I can see it. My children, you start speaking, Sean, 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 Sean. And he just can't even see me, you know, because he's just so into his device. So that's when I know it's, it's getting a little out of control. So we'll do that. We've done that from time to time. We'll just take a tech fast and we'll be done. And then we'll do it like a night. Maybe we'll do a weekend. We've done it for a week sometimes. And then with my kids, it's great motivation. If I just even threaten, hey, if you don't, I'm going to take your phone. <gasps> I'm going to take my phone. <laughs> so it's been a great motivator in, you know, in our home. We have an open policy with our devices, and I really encourage this. All devices, computers and stuff, need to be in common areas. Our computers, Todd and I have our computers in our, in our kitchen. Um, and he looks at my email, I look at his. Not like I'm snooping, okay? But he knows that I can look at whatever he's doing or what I'm doing at any time. And we just have that kind of open policy. And just, again, it's just communication. It keeps us accountable and keeps us always talking and communicating. And that's just how I want to wrap up with this. You know, communicate about technology. Communicate about what's going on with it. Know what's going on, parents. You've got to know what's going on with it. If you don't know what your kids are watching or doing, you're in trouble because they're already fast. I mean, I have to give Sean my phone all the time to let him get me through the next level of Candy Crush because I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm stuck. Sean, can you help me out? So I'm just, embrace that with your kids. Embrace technology. Get aware. Get informed. Do what you need to do so that you are aware of what's going on. 
You know, I shared with you one thing that I never hear from someone who has had scandal in their marriage or in a relationship, but I want to I share with you one thing um, that I always hear. Every time I hear a phrase that's something like this, I never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. And I want to close today with this. The enemy absolutely has the ability to take you out. He's got the ability to take your castle. Your heart is vulnerable. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what age you are, what phase of life you're in. Doesn't matter whether you're single or married. The enemy can take you out. And he will. I want you to hear this today. He will. If he's got a shot, he's going to take you out. Our job, according to Proverbs is to guard our hearts. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Cynthia, in closing, is going to play a song. And as she plays, it's a song that goes right along with everything we've been talking about here this morning. And as she plays the song, I want you to listen to the words because um, the words really say what we've been trying to communicate today, that we have the responsibility to have an awareness about the vulnerability that's out there. We have a a responsibility to be aware. And so my challenge to you is as she sings and um, as we kind of close here today is I want to challenge you to think about the area that you're vulnerable in. Because let's face it, let's face it. We all have areas that we're vulnerable in. We all have areas that our heart's exposed. I want to challenge you on this also. There's some of you who are in here and maybe you've been married for a little while or a long time, um, or maybe you're single, and you've let your guard down in the past. You've had that moment when you let it down and the enemy struck. My challenge to you is, is that your vulnerability is guilt. And my challenge to you is if you're in here today and you've had a mistake in the past, yesterday is yesterday. Don't let your past determine your future. Walk in the forgiveness that God gives you and say, I'm going to guard my heart from this moment forward. Be thinking about that area, as Cynthia sings, that you're particularly vulnerable in and ask God for the courage and the tenacity to overcome that area of your life. What appears to be a heart glance can turn to romance and homes are divided feelings that should never have been awaken within tearing the heart in two listen I beg of you guard your heart Don't trade it for treasure, don't give it away. Guard your heart, guard your heart. As a payment for pleasure, it's a high price to pay. For a soul that remains sincere with a conscience clear. 
sitting next to your spouse, I'm just going to ask you to grab their hand or maybe put your arm around them. If you're um, maybe not near them, feel free to get up right now and uh, do that. I want to pray a prayer of blessing on our marriages here today. Or maybe you're in a relationship where you're heading towards marriage. Um, I want to pray for you too. And I also want to pray for those of you who are single, that we as a community of Christ followers would take this seriously, this whole idea of guarding our hearts. So I want to pray for our marriages you would just bow your head Um, God I thank you so much that your design as we've talked about over these past few weeks is one man and one woman until death do us part God and father right now in the strong name of Jesus I just pray a prayer of blessing not just on my marriage God but on those who are out here today and God I pray that husbands and wives will be willing to do the hard stuff, that they would be willing to be intentional and tenacious and persistent in terms of guarding their hearts. God, I pray that our expectations would come from you. I pray that we'd be willing to work hard. And Father God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that husbands and wives would be serious about our relationship with you and that you would grow us closer as a result. Protect our homes, protect our marriages, protect our families, protect our finances. Father God, I pray that you would do amazing things. Where there's been hurt, where there's been harm, God, I pray that you would reconcile husbands and wives. And Father, for those who are here today and maybe they're dating or they're not dating and they want to be in a relationship, God, for those who are engaged, I pray a special prayer of protection from them for them. 
the enemy can just as easily get to their hearts as they can those who are married. And I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with those. Guide us as we go from here today. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Just a few things as we close here today that I want to um, remind you of. First of all, if you're part of the Hilton Head Island Community Church family, just want to encourage you to give on your way out. Our giving station is open to the uh, left uh, as you leave today. And I want to encourage you to give. You've probably been noticing that um, week after week from July, um, we had a very good first part of the year, and since uh, July began, um, it's been a bit tight, and uh, many of you began receiving a letter that outlines some of the goals that we have, and uh, I'll be talking about more uh, on that in the weeks to come of what we're going to do to achieve our financial goals before the end of the year. We have a parenting workshop coming up this Saturday. Dr. Diane Pierce is going to be with us. She's going to be on this stage with us next week. Let me encourage you on this real quick here before we leave, and I know we've been long today, and I'm sorry about that, but let me encourage you on this. I want to encourage you to submit your questions about the home, family, and marriage. Um, we've got a, a, uh, a doctor who's going to be here this week, um, next week, who I'm going to be interviewing, and she's going to be fielding those questions. And so uh, submit those. You can get it on Facebook. They can get to our website, um, hiltonheadislandcc.org, and uh, you can go on there. Yeah, hiltonheadislandcc.org slash got-questions. Okay, it's in your worship guide as well today. And Cynthia and I are going to be attending this workshop next week. We have child care available, and so we, but we need to know if you're going to be here. So Jackie is at our guest service desk in the back, and she can sign you up for that workshop coming up. Why don't you guys stand up? Thank you so much for being here and allowing us to share a little bit with you uh, from our lives, and we hope that you've been encouraged and challenged today, and I hope to see you next Sunday. May God's grace and peace be with you this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. See you next Sunday, everyone.